0: All right, Uh, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this beautiful weather outside. Thank you for a great weekend, Lord, much to be thankful for, much to celebrate. And Lord, we just pray as we come before you, may you just focus our hearts, our minds to you. May your, your Holy Spirit speak to us, teach us, encourage us, challenge us. And fill our hearts, Lord God, with a spirit of thankfulness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so originally, I was going to start off my message talking about stress and, stress and anxiety and give you a whole bunch of boring stats about uh, something that we already know, that we're all stressed, right? We're all stressed, we experience anxiety, and this past two years have been trouble, right? So I was going to give you all these boring stats about it, but I think I have a story for you guys instead. Is that Okay. All right, Um, so uh, my family and I, we've been planning a Disneyland trip for, for a little while now. We finally got to go yesterday, and one of the things that we wanted to make sure we got on was Rise of the Resistance, right? We're big Star Wars fans. I've been a Star Wars fan ever since I was a little kid, and so we wanted to make sure we got on that ride. Now, I don't know if you're a big Star Wars fan, you know anything about this, but there was a lot of hype that led up to this. And there's I I had to do my research, okay? I researched how to get on this ride. I watched YouTube videos, I read blogs, I wanted to make sure we got on this ride. Okay, so I I, I went all out. And now if you if you're here Friday night, I shared how the last couple days, um, I've been waking up at like five thirty in the morning. Inexplicably, I don't know why, and I shared a little bit about how, you know, guys just gave me a word uh, a Friday morning and and I share that with you but I think it was also in you know it helped me prepare for yesterday morning because I I woke up at four in the morning to get ourselves ready for that trip right so um, you know you never know why some things happen it it turns out good so I had to wake up four in the morning and I got to admit getting on that ride was like the most important thing on my mind that day, right? We had hopper tickets and everything like that. So I had to make sure we got on that ride. And so just so you know, in case you plan to go, here's the thing. You can't just go in line for the ride. You need to download the mobile app. Then you have to get on a virtual queue just for the opportunity to possibly get a boarding pass just for the possibility of getting on that ride, Now, as complicated as that sounds, it's not even the beginning of it. You have to make sure the time on your watch or your phone is like on world time. Because that's the time that Disney goes. If you are a second behind, your chances are done. You won't get on. And it's like I watched several people and they said, it's no exaggeration. This is the case. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take it for its word. So I made sure we all got our tickets, lined up all on our apps, and the four of us who had phones, we were going to go on. You know, we're going to make sure we get on that ride. So we started California Adventure. I've got to make this long story short because this is not even the sermon. All right, so every ride we went on, I'm like checking the time. It's like 9 o'clock, but I'm like, all right, I've got to make sure. All right, we got, we got three hours before you know, 12 o'clock we had to go. And every single moment, I'm just looking at my phone. I'm just watching this thing. It's like, I know it's three hours away, two hours away, but I'm still checking my phone. So finally, we get off one of the rides, and it's like 11.55. It's like, okay, we're not doing anything else. We're going to find a spot, get on our phones, and we're going to wait, right? Because they say a split second late, you lose your chance. So the four we got our phones. I got Jamie's phone on my one hand and my phone on the other hand, and my kid just got their phones. And we're, we're at a spot of California Adventure, and to my left, I see another group. They have their phones out, and they're ready to do the exact same thing. So I have to be honest. I have to admit, I had to, for a split second, I had a bad thought. It's like, I wonder if I sabotage them. It increases our chances. What if I distract them? While I distract them, I'm doing it myself, and maybe they'll... No, of course, I'm like, all right, I can't do that. Of course not. Pastor, right? So anyways... Time goes, counting down, 10 seconds, five seconds. Okay. okay, as soon as it goes, we're refreshing our phones to get on the pass. I'm like double barrel, got both phones. I'm going like that. Got it. I mean, literally, as soon as it turned 12, boom. Yeah. Join the party? Absolutely. Josiah and Katie were doing it, they did it, and they, it was closed. We did it all at the same time, but their opportunity it was closed. They couldn't get in. I mean, I was like, I was gonna say, praise God, right? As soon as I said join, and they did it, and they got on too. They were one group, one eighty-six, and we were one ninety-nine. We were next to each other. We did the exact same time. They were group one eighty-six. We were doing group one ninety-nine. That's how fast it went. So I was like, oh, stress, no more, right? Now, that's just for you to be able to get a boarding pass just to be able to get on. I heard that just because you get a boarding pass doesn't mean you get to go on. So the whole day, I'm checking my phone. Are they, is our group ready? Are the loading our group ready? It's hours, 300-something minutes away from our boarding, and I'm still checking it like every 15 minutes. And I'm having to like, if we're going on rides, and I'm, I'm trying to like enjoy our rides, enjoy the scenery, all that stuff, and all the while, I'm checking my phone. Okay, they're loading group 56. <laughs> we're group 199, right? So all day we're trying to get through, we're, we're getting in. And finally, it's time for our group. As soon as the second one opened our group, we went right in that line. And we got in line and we're enjoying, got in the scene. We're, we're getting in line and stuff. I got to speed up the story, right? Okay, so we're in the line. We're get, we are started the experience. I won't tell you anything about it. We're like, we're like a quarter of the way into the, the ride. And you know what happens? You know, they have scenic background music, and all of a sudden, it goes quiet. Yeah. Broke down. (laughs) We were in the ride. It broke down. Please exit. We'll give you a fast pass if it comes up. Not only that, but we have a tradition to have clam chowder bowls for dinner. And I was, I had the impression that if you don't order at mobile app, there's no time slot, you can't order from that restaurant. And there was no more vacant times. So I had to order someplace and get some burgers that we really didn't want. I was like, you know what, I can't disappoint my family. So I ran. Turns out you could cancel the order. Long story short, we're sitting, we're getting our chowder bowls, we're enjoying that dinner, And I'm checking the app to make sure to see if the ride's up. Virtual thing is up. It's up. Okay. We finished our dinner. We head over there. And we got on the ride. Oh, wait. You know what? I had pictures. (laughs) See, this was this boring stats. But I'm not going to show you boring stats. So that's the beginning of our family. we're all happy and excited. But, you know, in in my mind, I'm, 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 I'm worried. That's the picture. We got on the ride. So we're excited. This is the second time around. So we got on the ride. So we're enjoying that. And uh, so, long story short, we're able to enjoy the ride, and 16 hours later, we're still happy. <laughs> That's right. A 16-hour Disneyland day. Got there at eight o'clock, left after 12, got home after one, went to bed a little about two o'clock, and I saw this sign, and I thought this was appropriate. Are your wheels tired? Come in for service. My wheels are tired, but I came in for service today because uh, you know I have to. No, I thought that was appropriate. I thought you know that's that's a perfect thing. Right? We're gonna come in for service. We're tired, but we're coming in for service. All to say, all that stress, all that worry, for nothing because it was a great time. We had, we enjoyed it, but. Uh, Throughout the whole day, I realized, you know, I could be anxious and I could be stressed out and I can totally miss out on all the things to enjoy. This time at holiday season, I don't know, does holidays stress you out? Holidays stress you out, right? A lot of times, holidays are very stressful. How many of you are already stressing about Thanksgiving? How many of you are already stressing about Christmas, Right? How many of you miss those days when you're a kid that the most stressful thing about Thanksgiving was if there's going to be enough pumpkin pie? You know what I mean? That was me. How many of you miss those days when the most stressful part about Christmas is whether you're going to get socks or get a good toy, right? Nowadays, things are so stressful. We're so worried. Most of the year, we try to maintain a healthy diet, and then we take a pause for these next two months, right? But what about our healthy mind? How many of us are really aware of how healthy our mind is? Is our mind where it needs to be? Today we're going to look at a familiar passage, and we're going to see how it fits in in line with the letter, the overall letter that our study of Philippians, but how it can be applied to our life Today so we're looking at a very familiar passage, and I'm going to give you a big plate of food today, okay? Sorry for the longer story, but I'm going to give you kind of a big plate because it's Thanksgiving, so a lot to digest, a lot to think about, so hopefully we dig in and uh, you'll get something from it. All right? Philippians chapter four, if you have your Bibles? And we're going to start off in verse two. It says, "I urge Eodea and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord." Indeed, true comrade, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, if, we, if you follow, you've been with us from the beginning, Some of there may be some familiar themes as you read in this passage, right? Paul clearly, as we've seen, emphasizes the importance of the mind, what we place our value in, What we think about, what we focus on, our attitudes towards life, towards God, towards each other. These are all points of emphasis we've seen throughout our study of Philippians. Particularly, we've seen how Paul emphasizes having the same mind, right? As we come together, have a like-mindedness, have the same mind with one another. We see this in chapter 2, verse 1-4. through Paul charges the church overall to have the same mind and love towards each other. Be united in spirit. We've seen throughout the letter that he's emphasized joy and rejoicing. Paul specifically mentions the peace of God throughout his letter. He's mentioned it twice in verse 7 and verse 9. So we should get this picture that Paul's trying to lay out for the church that whatever is going on in our life The peace of God is an essential component to the life of the believer in Christ. That we should all experience the peace of God no matter what we are going through in life. Now do you, can you say you experience the peace of God on a regular, even daily basis? Maybe some of you are thinking, Is that even possible? Is it even possible to experience peace in my life, let alone on a daily basis? Well, let's look at what the passage says. Paul starts in verse 2 and 3. He mentions, he starts out at the end of this letter, Paul drops a couple names. These two women. And what about these two women? There was some conflict going on. And he urges these two women to have the same mind in the Lord. Now, we don't know the situation. We don't know the conflict between these two sisters in Christ. We just know there's some kind of conflict, some kind of disagreement. Now, that's just unheard of, isn't it? Who ever thought of two people being conflict in church? Is that unheard of? Well, I wish we could say that, right? But the conflict must have been public knowledge because he lays out these two people. And he says about the situation, intervene on their behalf. See, Paul affirms they are brothers and sisters of Christ along with Clement. These are teammates. These are people who've struggled with me in the ministry. Their names are written in the book of life. So Paul's not trying to throw their names out to throw them under the bus. But he says, look, these two, along with Clement, and among others, they're my coworkers in the ministry. They struggled with me. They're like my teammates in battle. Their names are written in the book of life. Now, that title, The Book of Life, is mentioned a number of times in Scripture. It symbolizes, it represents almost like a registry, a roll call, if you will. Right? If you ever plan a party, you have a guest list, right? If you have a wedding, you have a guest list. And in Scripture, we see that this, this, this book of life has the names of those who will be able to enter the kingdom of God, who will be able to be in the presence of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. You may wonder, well, how do you get on that list? It's faith in Christ. It's faith in Jesus. It's not about the circles, social circles you run around, run with in life. There's no minimum GPA requirement. It's not about the degrees you put on your wall. It's not about how law abiding of a citizen you were. Did you place your faith in Christ? Did you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Did you or were you willing to surrender your life to follow Him? Or are you living your life following other gods or yourself? So he says, These people, they are they're they're my co-workers with me. And he's he's pleading with them. This conflict is so significant, Paul's saying, intercede for them. Help them resolve this issue, this conflict. For those of you who have been in church long enough, how much damage has affected a congregation because two people, even only two people, had unresolved conflict? How often have you seen that? How much has that affected? Unresolved conflict between a brother and sister in Christ or sisters in Christ or brothers in Christ, whatever it is, it goes unresolved, it becomes public. And how much damage even in the ministry of Christ See, unresolved conflict can be a cancer, can't it? If you've been around long enough, unresolved cancer can affect even the ministry of the gospel. So Paul says, urges them, be of the same mind. Intervene, intercede on their behalf. Try to resolve it. See, we want peacemakers, right? In our congregation, we want peacemakers in our congregation. We don't want people who are willing to let conflict exist. Or incite conflict. Because as long as there's, you know, we can even have differences. Right? There's some of us who have differences. Some of us are UCLA fans, some of us are USC fans. I'm not going to allow that conflict to affect the ministry of the gospel. I was willing to come here Sunday knowing that I might have to wear a USC shirt, but God intervened. But you see, what's the key to this? Paul urges those sisters in Christ to have the same mind, what? In the Lord. In the Lord is key. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul tells us to stand firm in the Lord. Be of the same mind in the Lord. And here in verse 4, what does he say? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. If the church didn't get the message before, Paul makes it clear again. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And they're like, when? When do we get to rejoice in the Lord? When we go to church? When we feel like it? When things are going well? When our team is scoring? When our team is up? He says, always. And in case you didn't get the message, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Because you see, when we're in Christ, there is always reason to rejoice. There are always reasons to be joyful. Even in storms in our life, there are reasons to rejoice. James chapter 1, verse 2, verse that you probably all know. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That word perfect, again, it's more of like a sense of maturity. What's what's James saying there? Struggles, when we go through struggles and tests, without faith, yeah, we're just going to struggle. It's just struggles, it's hardship. But if we could struggle and live with faith with that, it can produce joy. We could take joy when we're going through difficult times. We're not taking joy in the struggles itself. The joy comes in knowing that when we're going through hard times, it's not going to be fruitless. It's not going to be a waste. God is going to do something in us. Test our, it's going to, our faith is going to be tested. It's going to be strengthened. And we will produce endurance. It will produce endurance. The testing of our faith produces endurance. There's a final work that we can rejoice in. That our faith is strengthened. See, times of testing is inevitable. Some Christians think that just because you're, you're a follower of Christ, everything is going to be smooth. There's not going to be any hardship. There's not going to be any trials. That's part of life struggles trials that's part of life we're not immune to this but it provides opportunities for growth i shared with this friday night when someone asked me through your hardships did you ever question god's goodness and i think that my honest answer i don't recall a time where i really questioned god's goodness And I look back, and this takes some time, you have to look back. But I can see God's goodness in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering. See, we can choose joy when we experience trials. We can choose to experience that joy, that hope, knowing God is going to see us through. And for Paul, he had a bigger perspective. He could say, I can have joy, I can rejoice in the Lord. Look what he says in verse 5. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. In your time of trials, let your forbearing spirit be shown to all men. That word forbearing, it means a humble, gentle character, quality. I like what someone says, a humble, patient, steadfastness, which is able to submit to injustice, disgrace, and maltreatment, without hatred and malice, trusting in God in spite of it all. What he's saying is like, in your trials, in your difficult times, let your spirit be a testament to those around you. That you can handle adversity, hardship, even injustice, with a sense of gentleness, humility. Let people see that. Rejoice always. Let this be shown. Why? Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now, Paul could have been referencing in terms of position, like God is close to us. Possibly more likely, he's referencing the Lord's coming is soon. It's nearby. It's coming. That day is coming. Paul's saying, look, have this perspective. Know that we are looking forward to something far bigger than our circumstances as difficult as it may be. And he goes on to say in verse 6, So be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, as definitive Paul was about rejoicing, Right? he said rejoice always, He is equally definitive when he says, be anxious about what? Nothing. Don't let anything worry you, burden you. Right? We talk about anxiety and stress. When we experience anxiety and stress, that's our body's way. That's how we cope with whatever is going on. We feel anxiety. We feel stressed out. What if anxiety and stress would not be our reflexive reaction? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if something happens in your life that would normally cause you to feel stress or anxiety, your immediate reaction is not to worry? Can you imagine that? Your immediate expression is not, when, I don't, when that ride shuts down at Disneyland, my immediate reaction wouldn't be, oh, great, the day is over. All that planning. For what? I knew it. No. No. He says, in everything, again, the definitive language Paul uses, in everything, what does he say? Let your requests be made known to God. He uses these four synonymous terms. He says, prayer, supplication, your requests, make it known to God communicate it to God. And everything with prayer, your supplication, your request, let it be known to God. This sounds simple. Paul says, take what is on your heart, your needs, your desires, your concerns, your requests, and communicate it with God. Let it be known. Sounds simple, right? But how often when we go through circumstances, we think of our immediate reaction is, I'll take care of this myself. I'm going to handle this myself. How often does it take for us, how long does it take for us to actually go to God when we have concerns? It's not our immediate concern, but it's like, well, if if we get into trouble, then we'll go to God. See what Paul says? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't delay it. But the key to that, with thanksgiving. That's the key. With thanksgiving. All your prayers, all your requests, all your concerns, give it to God, but do it with thanksgiving. That's so important. Thanksgiving is so important because when we present our worries, our requests, and we make it known to God, we're acknowledging God, you know these things. Thankfulness reminds us of who God is, what he's already done. Right? When we're thankful for what God has done, we recognize, you know, God, you have already done all these things for me. When we offer these up to God with thanksgiving, we say, God, we acknowledge this is who you are. We will understand God's character is consistent, and we'll have a thankful heart. We will become less insistent when we can ask God with thanksgiving. We feel less entitled when we come to God thankful already. Because look what Paul says. He does not say, you know what, you're going to get whatever you want if you ask God. He doesn't say that. He just says, let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. I have a quote here. I'll get to this real quick. Here's a, this is not a religious uh, statement. This is someone, a, a scholar, who, who did a study on. Um, the role of religion with people, right? He found time and again that when people feel grateful by expressing their gratitude to God for what they have to friends and family, whatever it might be, when we find what we find, it makes them more generous. It makes them more patient. It makes them more willing to share what they have and trust other people. So they did a study on the role of, of religion. And they said when, when, when people express their thankfulness to God, they become more generous with other people. They become more patient. This is not like from Scripture. This is someone who's doing a study on the role of it. What's that to say? Thankfulness does something in us. We become less self-centered and less felt entitled. So what happens when we take our concerns before the Lord with thanksgiving, verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that is beyond our understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That term for guard is like a military term. It's to protect by military guard to prevent a hostile invasion. I like that. It guards you from hostile invasion. The peace of God will guard you against invading worries and anxiety. When we can give it to God with thanksgiving, he says the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Keep it from invading worries and anxiety. Paul understood. The Holy Spirit working in us, John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful, in chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 of Philippians, Paul mentioned, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice, yes, I will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, Chapter 2, verse 13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. What is Paul reminding us? What is Jesus telling us? The Spirit of God, the Spirit of peace, will be with you. When we set our minds upon the Lord, something amazing happens. The Spirit works contrary to what even we would naturally feel. When we're willing to say, God, I'm going to give this to you, these circumstances to you, the things that I cannot control to you, even the things I can feel like I control, I give it to you. The peace of God, which goes beyond your understanding, beyond what you think you normally do, will guard your hearts and minds. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. I love when scripture gives you practical lessons already there for you, laid out for you. Here is your recipe for a healthy mind. Here's your diet for a healthy mind. You want to make sure you have a healthy body, you eat the right stuff? Here's the ingredients, a recipe for a healthy mind. He says, look, Whatever is true, dwell on those things. Whatever is honorable, worthy of respect, think about those things. Whatever is acceptable to God, think about those things. Whatever is pure and clean, set your mind on those things. Whatever is lovely, think about those things. Whatever is of good repute, well reported of, think about those things. Whatever is excellent, that's what you should think about. Whatever is worthy of praise, let your mind ruminate on those things. That's what you need to think about. How much of our day is thinking of so much of the garbage in this world? So our mind gets polluted. Our hearts get polluted. And we do things we shouldn't do. Paul says, follow my example, verse 9. I'm going to sum this up as fast as possible. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. So again, Paul says, look, follow my example. Everything you've heard from me, you've seen in me, you've seen me live out, practice these things. Don't just hear it, practice it. The actions, God's actions working in in partnership with ours. He says, look, this is what you need to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all. Don't be anxious about anything. Let your requests be made known to God. Dwell on these things. Practice these things. And what does he say God's going to do? He will guard your heart and mind. His peace will be with you. Sum it up in this. Rejoice in the Lord. Remembering where our hope is found, our victory is won. Rejoice in the Lord always. Immediately go before the Lord with the heart of thanksgiving. Instead of always worrying, sitting and wondering, what are you going to do? Immediately go before the Lord. Sing, Lord, thank you that you hear me You know me. You've seen me through. You know what I need to do. Lord, I just thank you. I lift this to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister you, to guard and protect your heart and mind, and take inventory. Meditate on all that is edifying and good. You have to practice it. We have to practice it. So, my encouragement to all of us. We want a healthy mind. We want to know how to deal with all this anxiety and worries that we go through in life. Let's go before the Lord with thanksgiving. I said, God, help me to think about things I need to think about. I should think about what's good for me. See, I started off with a long story, so kind of delayed things. But hopefully I give you a, a big plate of food like you're going to have in Thanksgiving Day. Digest it a little bit. And see how God can change and work in our life. Let's bow our hearts and let's pray. Lord, we come before you. Each and every one of us have anxieties and have worries. And Lord, we try to deal with these anxieties and these worries and concerns. And admittedly, Lord, we often just kind of try to take things into our own hands, see what we can do, what we can solve, what we can figure out. Some things seem too big for us, and we feel hopeless. Some things are too small. We think, oh God, you don't want to be bothered with this. But Lord, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we could practice these things, Lord God, if we could set our minds on these things, what is healthy, what is good, what is pure, your Spirit will be with us. Help us to practice a healthy diet in our minds. We give you praise, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.